We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Talk Radio post-game edition after almost the biggest disaster in recent memory. The Rams in dark horse for game of the year so far. 41-39 Thursday night victory over the San Francisco 49ers. I'm here joined by managing editor Derek Ciapala. Derek, immediate reaction to that game. Uh, my action is, my reaction is, oh my lord. Um, that's, that's, that's just all I can really say right now. What what we almost saw there, what we did see with the offense, uh, putting up 41 points, seeing this team put up 46-20 and then 41 this week. That's a huge change from last year. Excited about that and shell-shocked with our defense getting up 39 to 49ers. There's no way the 49ers should be putting a 39 in the Rams. No. It just should not be happening. And so we have a lot to talk about in, in, in a short amount of time here tonight. Yeah, so we got some good, we got some bad, we got some ugly. What do you want to start with? Well, you know, let's get some ugly out of the way first so we could could be a little cheerful towards the end. Sure, so I think the first place to start is the pass defense. Obviously, and we'll give a little credit here, uh, Kyle Shanahan's a wizard, but he's got Brian Hoyer, uh, and outside of Pierre Garçon, their receivers are not very good football players might not even play in the Rams and I mean we've talked about position depth that defensive back we saw some injuries everything fell apart you know what what do you make of 
the secondary tonight. Some of our early season concerns for the Rams, they were centered around the secondary. And I think we really saw that come to fruition tonight. They didn't cover. They didn't tackle well. It was um, pretty disappointing. Ryan Hoyer's had a fair career in the NFL. But he, there's no way he should be putting up 332 yards on the Rams. It's, it just shouldn't be happening. Uh, Pierre Garcon, seven catches, 142 yards. You know, he's a, he's a very good receiver. But I just, I just looking at just look at the big play at the end, the Tremaine Johnson, um, being him late in the fourth quarter there. It just shouldn't be happening. And what I saw tonight was poor coverage. I mean, it wasn't even close coverage, just poor coverage and poor tackling from the secondary as well. So I don't know how you fix that. I mean, you're pretty, you're, this, this roster is pretty well locked in right now. You have who you have. Yeah. The highest paid cornerback in the league, Trumaine Johnson, got torched by Pierre Garçon all night. You mentioned the last play that, that gave them new life. That would have been the thing that triggered the blo- the the loss if it happened. Luckily, we stuck it out here. But, yeah, you know, the, like you said, the roster is pretty much set. We have a lot of money in at that position. You know, losing Craven Webster tonight obviously didn't help. Then you lose Joyner in the game. Uh, and then Troy Hill comes back, which isn't really a positive. Um, this this is brutal. You know, next week we got the Cowboys. That's going to be a tough matchup for on the running game and in the passing game. They're better at both than the 49ers, uh, you know, San Francisco, this is a team that had 12 points going into this week, and they scored 39, and, you know, there was a couple turnovers that wasn't the defense's fault, but overall, I mean, we lost this game, or, it's so weird that we didn't lose this game. It feels like you did in a lot of ways. (laughs) For like 10 minutes, it felt like this game was over, and it's weird talking about close games and the Rams winning, so, you know, a little credit there. We won the game. But, yeah, you know, this is a huge concern. And if Webster and Joyner, even if only one of them is out next week, let alone both, it's going to be a little trouble for this team. And, and we got to think that Dallas team is going to be hungry next. They're getting beat the way they did in Denver. Um, having a full, you know, a full week after the game now to kind of sit back. they they got to try and save their season. They're, they, they're coming in this weekend being one-on-one. That go out next weekend. You know, what if the Rams go in that game too? What if the Cowboys come in one two? The Rams sorry, the Rams two and one. The Cowboys come in one two. You know, all of a sudden, you know, do the Cowboys come back from being one and three? You know, so to me, that game has some importance for both teams, and the Cowboys are built right now to beat to beat that Rams defense. They have the receiver. They have the running back. You know, they have you know a very patient quarterback. And Dak Prescott, I, I watching this game, I'd be very concerned for the Rams heading to Dallas next week. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, Dallas is a will be the best team we've played. I I would say that even if they lose this week, even at one and two, you know, they're a strong football team. A lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, and you know, we do have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. But as we've talked about in the preseason. The depth was lacking, especially in the secondary, and it gave way tonight. And, you know, for such a good offensive game that we played, we lost in total yards. 
we were out game, and I, they had the the ball longer. You know, it's crazy. Just close. It was close. Yeah. But yeah. Very close. But you know, like early on in that game, we were dominating, and it's wild. And you know, the run defense, it was better than the passing defense. Obviously, a little bit of concerns there. Twenty-five carries for eighty-four yards. And two touchdowns for Carlos Hyde. And, you know, he did average 3.4 yards carry, which is fine for the defense. But you got to factor in, you know, those six or eight carries he had, what, at the one-yard line today? Which is, A, kudos to the defense for stopping him. But, B, he was looking good in the midfield. Looked good in the midfield. And also, we can't forget that the 49ers spent a large portion of the second half throwing the football. So... We don't really know how much improvement, so to speak, there was. What I do know is that defensive line got pushed around more up front than they should have been. And then now you have Brockers down with an injury. Quinn left the game. Did you see? I didn't see if Quinn came back in, but he left the game as well. Um, so there, there's massive concern right now for this defense. And I want to say, hey, you know what? It's only their third regular season game under Wade Phillips. And Wade Phillips, we know how good of a defensive coach he is. I think we can have faith they'll turn it around, but how long will it be before they figure it out? Yeah, and if if we want to make a run, which, you know, I wouldn't say I was confident in that going into the season, but a couple games go away in the stretch and we'll be in a good position. You know, they need to turn around the defense and fast. Aaron Donald, you know, he's been in this posi- in this system for – much less longer than everybody else, and he already looks the most comfortable in it. You know, we need to get the other guys comfortable. Alec Ogletree really needs to step it up moving forward. Uh, I will say I was a little happy with Mark Barron tonight. Made oh, yeah. A couple big tackles, yeah. And that's the thing, too, going back to Ogletree. Ogletree, we saw him all over the field tonight, but maybe that's part of the problem. You know, in that 3-4, you're going to be in a certain spot. You can't be roaming to starting if you're in that 3-4. Apologize. Three four, you can't roam too far yeah. in that three four. You got you have to be in your place. A three four defense is you have to be here, and if you're not here, we're going to get you. And we, what we saw were a lot of defensive players out of position tonight, and Ogletree was one of them. And Mark Barron, holy crap, what a great performance from him today down the stretch as well. Um, and I'm just that's one of those guys you wonder how he didn't work in Tampa Bay and he wanted. Find a perfect home in LA with the Rams. Yeah, and this is big for Barron because you know he's not a prototypical linebacker, let alone a prototypical middle linebacker. Like he's not built for that, and he he played like a middle linebacker tonight. You know, kudos to him for a great game, and obviously Aaron Donald, you know, as is par for course at this point. Game-winning sack, uh, you gotta love that. Um, any other thoughts? Or immediate reaction to this defense outside of that, it needs to get better. I mean, that's that's the clear. That, I mean, to me, thirty-nine points to 49ers, Um There has to be legitimate concern. You had twenty-seven points last weekend to the Redskins. That's more understandable. You know, Redskins have you know that that's a system that knows McVay very well. I can get that. Um, thirty-nine points, man. I, I can't. I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna have nightmares of that. You know, that last quarter tonight. Even though we won the game, it feels like you lost, but you won the game. 
Yeah. Hey, I got to say, though, as much as it sucks that our defense looked like that, good for both teams in that these teams look fun to watch. I mean, who would have thought? This might have been the best game of the year. I think, I'm pretty sure it was the highest scoring game of the year. I think oh, they, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, 80 total points. That's not common in football. And, you know, before we get in the offense, you bring that point up. And here's something else, too. You know, there was a time, uh, and I'm going to say this, dude, and don't be offended. This is before you were freaking born, okay? <laughs> when the Rams and 49ers were one of the top three or four rivalries in the league. You go Browns, Steelers, you can go um, Redskins, Cowboys, you know, uh, and then Packers, Bears-ish, and or and go with, you know, back then it was the Dolphins, Dolphins and Jets, okay? And the Rams 49ers were right there. They were right there. And ever since 1990, either the Rams have been bad, which is most of the time, yeah, and getting hammered. And then there was the, the greatest show on turf age where the Rams got a little bit back to the 49ers and, and beat them up some. We haven't had this rivalry for so long. And then this team moves back to L.A. And, you know, this is, I really think for both teams, to restore that rivalry would mean so much just to, the, you know, the prestige of the NFC West, to, um, to the franchise themselves. So to see these, these two teams go at the way they did tonight, it, it is kind of special. It feels, and it feels a little special on the lines of, this is what Rams 49er games are supposed to be like. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to be like this. They're not supposed to be garbage football games. And yeah. It's, you know, it, it's special, Steve. I got to tell you. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, what your first Ram 49er game was, you know, or what your biggest memories from this series were, but I can go back many a year and, and think of, the great Ram 49er games, and I can tell you this was one of them. My biggest memory was the tie. The tie. <laughs> Probably that's not saying much, man. That's a tie. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, this is the most engaged I think I've been into a Rams game in a long time. You know, obviously week one was awesome, watching the Rams blow somebody out. That never happens. Even last week in a game that came down on the wire, you know, it was not like this. You know, I was riding high at points. I was almost breaking stuff at points near the end of the game. That was a fun, fun game, man. And, you know, parts of the reasons why I almost broke stuff was our very poor special teams play. Two fumbles by both of our return men, and, you know, didn't get that onside kick at the end of the game. Horribly misplayed. I mean, what, out of these three plays, which one bothered you the most? The onside kick. I think the onside kick does, because... If you're the Rams, you know what's coming. You know, you know, you know that that has to happen. Uh, so if you not to be ready for it, even and I give I give the 49ers credit. That was a perfect onside kick. Yeah, um, it really was. But you they still weren't ready for it. Fumbles happen. You know, Pharaoh Cooper making the, making the play he made. You know, I get what he was trying to do. They happen. I'm not going to kill the guy um, for trying to for, for working his butt off there. It's still a mistake, and the same for our other turnover there as well. But and, and that turnover coming from Table on Austin is a whole different story. We got to talk about that next. Um, 
but it really was to me the onside kick is a fundamental fundamental part of it, of uh, football. It is something that you you practice from peewee football on all the way up through middle school football, through high school football, into college. This is something you should be ready for. And it wasn't just that, hey, the 49ers made a perfect kick. It was that the Rams were so unprepared for that perfect kick. They, they looked like they were off in La La Land having a latte. And um, that's just a mental mistakes that to me, it, I don't care if you're the second youngest team in the NFL, at some point, your head has to be in the game for a full 60 minutes. Yeah. You know, that was brutal. And as bad as our defense played, if we lost this game the way we lost it, it would have been on special teams. You know, that was that would have been three huge, you know, blown plays that went the other way for scores. But, yeah, you know, you said it all on the onside kick. You know, you got to be more prepared than that. That's something that, you know, I haven't played football in years, and I know how to recover an onside kick. You're, you you got to know how to do it. The fumble punt returns, man, I mean, Kayvon Austin dropped his, and then everyone was like, a lot of time for Farrell Cooper to get ready to return punts now, and then he drops a kickoff. I mean, <laughs> somebody's got to catch the ball, man. That was unbelievable. It, re- it reminds me a lot of the Rams um, right around the 2000-2001 season after Tony Horn um, moved on, and they couldn't find anybody to return a football for them and not turn it over. That's how it felt like tonight. It felt like, are you kidding me? You know, with, and it's not with Table on Austin. It's not just the fumble. It is that he constantly makes bad decisions on a special team, whether it's fielding the ball inside the 10-yard line, whether it's a fumble. At this point, what do you do with him? He's one of your highest-paid players in the team, and this is what you're getting out of him. Yeah. The best you got happened that it was a jet sweep that he got injured on. I yeah, mean, he almost had his touchdown. He almost had his touchdown, but that's about it. But what do you do with Tavon Austin? That that kills me. Yeah. Uh, first of all, quick shout out to all our listeners that understood the Tony Horn reference. Um, second of all, on the Tavon subject, it seems like this is going to be his last year, barring something drastic. I think with this contract, the odds of getting something valuable for him right now is not high, and, you know, people on Twitter be like, are like, cut Taylor Austin, like, as flawed as of a football player as he is, and as bad as he was in the punt, and with the bad decisions tonight, you know, he, when he actually lands the ball in the open field, and we saw it on that touch, that called back touchdown, you know, he's mm-hmm. quick, and he's dangerous, and he's a weapon, and now that, you know, and I'm not going to defend his contract. He's, all in all, he's probably a bust at his draft point, and he's a waste of money for the Rams. But when you have Watkins and Woods going for 100 yards, and you have Cooper Cup in the slot, who's a threat, and you have Todd Gurley running all over everyone, and then you mix Tavon into the equation just a couple times a game, you know, even if it's once or twice where you actually run a play for him and he sneaks in there and makes a big play, 
that's a weapon. And this offense has a lot of weapons for the first time in a long time. You know, since the greatest show on turf, this is the, probably the, the most loaded the chess has been. You know, I there's not that many positives to say about Tavon Austin, but he's he's got skills. He's got serious football skills, and he's not a good wide receiver, and he's not a good running back. And he might not even be that good of a punt returner. But you have to try and sneak him in in games because he is a threat, and he's as good in the open field as anyone is on this team. Well, that's the real that's the real problem though. You know, it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't when it comes to Tavon Austin because just as quickly as he costs you a touchdown, he's you'll he'll get you one. And it, what do you do with that? What do you do with a player who you can't trust, but in some cases you need to trust? I mean, I'm, I can guarantee you next weekend in Dallas will be back to field and kicks. And we're going to have to deal with it. But his football IQ really is the problem right now. That football IQ of knowing when to do something, where to go, what movement to make, that's what's killing him in his career. And you're right. He's, this is probably his last year's Ram. But, you know, you got you still have to pay Aaron Donald yet. And you have other contracts popping up soon. And, you know, he'll be a casualty. I see the same thing that happened with, with, James Laurinaitis and others, where they, you know, Chris Long, there's another one, Chris Long, where yeah. they went and restructured their contracts first, you know, and then later on they were let go. Well, that's gonna, that's the same thing's going to happen with Austin. They'll mm-hmm. try and restructure him to see if they can get one more year out of him, maybe, and then they'll, they'll have to let him go, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, him deciding if he wants to restructure will depend on how much he gets used in the offense, and, you know, it's too soon to tell. Honestly, as much as I hate him fumbling that punt return, I think I'd still keep him back there just because he, you know, I think he's a lot more dangerous than Barry Cooper is when he touched the ball, and they both fumbled this week. So, like, yeah, you know, unless you've got an ace in the hole in the special teams game, which I don't think we do right now, you got to roll with him on there. Well, you did. They did, and, the, and that player's name is Benny Cunningham, and they let him go. They let him go for a player who isn't even active right now, Lance Dunbar. You know, so that, maybe that's just a, I like a lot of things the Rams front office did the offseason, but they, they did make some mind-numbing mistakes as well. Um, speaking of this offense, the changes you're talking about, um, overall, Robert Woods, six catches, 108 yards. Sammy Watkins, six catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Todd Gurley, five catches, 36 yards, a score. Um, how are you feeling watching the way this offense moves? You gotta love it, man. You know, there. This is you know what we hoped for from when Sean McVay came in and was going to revamp the offense. I mean, before even getting to, to Jared Goff, this was Todd Gurley's first 100-yard game on the ground in 20 games. His last one was December 13, 2015. He didn't have one all of last season. He scored three touchdowns this week. He's got as many touchdowns in the first three weeks as he did all of last season. And, you know, Todd Gurley is back in a big way. And do I think this touchdown pacing is sustainable? Absolutely not. But he's there, and, you know, 
he looks like he looks back to form. I'm gonna I'm gonna say he looks back to form. I'm excited to see what he brings, and then you even get to the receiving core. And like I mentioned with Austin, they have so many weapons, and you know, kudos to Les Need for pulling the trigger on that Sammy Watkins trade because that changed everything. You know, even Robert Woods, you know, as good as he looked, he can't be your go-to guy. And then you bring in Sammy Watkins, who's a legitimate stud at the position. And then this is what happens. I know this is not the best defense in the world, but they held Seattle to 12 points last week. Now, they are they're, they're decent defense. They held Carolina to 23. You got Woods. You got Watkins. You got Cooper Cup, who was quiet today but has had a couple big games. The, these guys are players. Defenses have to pay attention to them. And finally, they have to watch not only the run but the pass and – this offense, it'll be interesting how they do against Dallas. It's their biggest test of the year, but I'm feeling good right now, no doubt. Another thing, just to bring up about Gurley, too, um, we saw later in the game Gurley getting bottled up a bit before he made that final break on the run. Um, at that point, they were keying Gurley pretty much, and they were trying to run the clock out. So his, his number is 28 carries for 113 yards. Really, he had a better night than that. And I, I hope that you know, when people are looking at the, at the the line there at the end, they see, well, wait a minute, it's not really, it was a better night than it actually looked. It was a much better night than it actually looked. And he's fighting for yards again. I mean, he wasn't fighting for yards like, like this before, and it's nice to see him actually, you know, moving with the football, um, going for it more now. And, and and he made a cut early in the game. He actually lost yardage on that play. Um, but the cut he made was a cut that was reminiscent of that of that first year. And I hadn't seen him make a cut like that in a long time. And that just kind of tells me, you know, yeah, he's back. And he, he probably never left. He just needed to feel confident behind that offensive line. And that offensive line is open holes. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the cut. As much as the problem was the line and Fisher ball last season, Gurley didn't look like the player he did his rookie year. And, you know... This is just reassurance, but I knew he was back after that hurdle last week. You know, that that was all I needed to see to know that this guy is back and having fun playing football and looking like a real player. Uh, and, you know, the highlight of tonight's offense, even with Gurley's performance, it's got to be Jared Goff, man. 145.8 QB rating, three touchdowns, no picks, uh, 22 of 28. And in the red zone tonight, 7-for-7 seven seven with three touchdowns. I mean, did you expect Goff to look this good this early in the season? No. That's the short of it, no. Um, but, you know, I spent – it's kind of hard. I didn't – I have to be honest and say, well, I should be enjoying his performances. You know, we're so conditioned as Rams fans to look for the worst. So I spent the night studying him and studying, you know – his his ups and downs, and you could definitely tell there's still work to go. There's still plenty for him to learn. He still moves back instead of steps up a lot on a lot of his pass plays. He he sometimes still takes a risk throw across his body. And he had one that one that Gurley that was it Gurley was a Woods. Um, he threw right across his body going to his left. Once this was left through, and he got it in there. And I I just remember shaking my head going, Oh my gosh, he get away with that one there. Yeah, and that was Woods. That was Woods, okay. So, you know, there are still things to fix. 
And the big thing that scares me right now, when we're going up against a better pass rush than what was there tonight, how is he going to react? Uh, how will he he move? Because right now, he he steps up. To, he doesn't step up. Sorry, he does not step up. He does not step up under pressure. He backs away, and that's going to cause throws off the back foot. So, okay, now that I've gotten that criticism out because I couldn't let it sit anymore, his touch on a football, his, and the best pass he made tonight, in my view, is one that was dropped. The one with Tyler Higby that was right there in his hands. Yeah. And was dropped. That was a beautiful pass. That is a pass that so many quarterbacks struggle to make on a lace like that, and it was perfect. And I, I felt horrible for him at that time because, like, Higby should have caught that ball. He should have, it should have been the end zone. It should, have, it should never have been anything other than that. And it kind of felt like he got robbed. <laughs> yeah. A better player, no disrespect to Tyler Higby, who's fine, but, you know, if that's Sammy Watkins, he makes that catch. A, a good player makes that catch. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I still believe in Higby's potential in the offense. But, you know, it, it's clear there's a reason why he was drafted where he was drafted. There's still some development needs to happen there. And, you know, I'm, I, want, I want to see more of Gerald Everett in the, in the lineup anyway. So let's hope he gets back quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And Goff's connection with Everett was awesome the first few games with those two big plays. Um, I know me and you were definitely on the same page with Goff about last season and that it was pretty much a wash. Uh, there was some good, there was some bad, but, you know, there wasn't a lot that was in his control because his, the situation was a mess. But, you know, keeping blasts in my head, he looks unbelievably better this year. I don't know if I expected him to look this good even this season, to be completely honest. And I thought he was going to be good. But just, you know, outside of that, outside of last week's end-of-game interception, he hasn't made a lot of mistakes. And usually when Rams quarterbacks don't make mistakes, they're playing horizontally. But he's playing vertically. You mentioned the Higby pass. That beautiful pass to Sammy Watkins tonight over the shoulder with two guys around him. He had a lot of great passes to Robert Woods. Um, obviously, he gets he's done a great job this season getting Gurley involved. You know, he looks freaking good, man. I can't believe how good he looks right now. The strange thing is, back when Jared Goff was drafted, uh, sat down with a couple of buddies and we we talked about what our expectations were for Goff. And we knew, really, that he was kind of picked above what he should have been. He, he was viewed as a person who could go as low as the third round in that draft, as high as maybe the 18th, 19th pick. And then all of a sudden, we had this change in strategy for the draft where the Rams moved up for him and got him. And we just sat there and said, okay, what can we, what can we really hope for this guy? And the idea was, you know, 20, 25 touchdown passes, 10 to 12 interceptions, 3,500 passing yards per season. You know, if you have a guy who can do that, manage the offense, kind of an Alex Smith kind of guy, we'll be all right. We can take that because we were so used to bad quarterback play 
if we can just have that and a good defense, we'll be contenders. Well, what I think we're seeing with, with Sean McVay, you know, in his offense with Jared Goff is he could be much more than that. He might all he he might be a system quarterback under Sean McVay. He might that might be all he ever is for all we know. But what we do know is that he can develop himself into a Pro Bowl quarterback as a brand. Yeah, you know, system quarterback, whatever, as long as it's in our system. Yeah, that's uh, that's all that matters. Yeah, you could say Tom Brady's a system quarterback. It's kind of a stupid claim at this point, but <laughs> at one point you could have made that argument. I'm with you, man. It's I didn't hate when we traded up for him, but I also thought that he was not worth trading up for. And, you know, nights like this, he looks like he might have been worth trading up for. I mean, he, he killed it. He really killed it, and he, he did. Yeah, but you know what? Even if, even if he becomes that guy who's a twenty-five, twenty-five and twelve kind of guy, I'll still take it. I'll take that even at a first-round pick price because that's what we've needed for the last few years. You yeah. know, what, what if Sam Bradford stayed healthy and became a twenty-five and twelve guy for us? Oh yeah, I and mean, you know he's he, he's looking like a quality guy still. You know, it wasn't yeah, talent wasn't the reason we traded him. Yeah, it, it, that's that's where I'm throwing in. You make sure he plays 16 games. Yeah. You no, know, it, it. But even then, I can go back to how Sam Bradford was developing his first two years, compared to how we're seeing Goff be the last few games. And I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Goff's been better. Goff's been more accurate. He's shown a greater ability to adjust on the fly. And let's also be honest, he fits much better into the passing system they've been put into. Yeah. Much now, more modern quarterback. Much more modern quarterback. Uh, Bradford, in fairness to him, in, in total fairness to Bradford, the dude had like, was it, three offensive coordinators in three years. Yeah. And, he, and bad receivers. And bad receivers. And he did not have, you know, the coaching staff behind him. Goff is going to have every chance to succeed with McVay in there. They've, they've brought in so many different coaches and players to support him. He's really, he might even be in a better position than Carson Wentz is right now. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's crazy to say that, but he might be. So, let's hope. Let's hope. The, the big difference there, I'd say, is, you know, receiver wise, I think it's kind of a wash. I think Jeffrey is, you know, a little better than Watkins, and then we might have the advantage going down, but they're still all right. They don't have a running game. They have no running backs. And we have a guy who looks like he's going to be that stud that we saw win Rookie of the Year two years ago coming back into full form. I mean, I think that the pieces in place are better, and I think you know, I think both guys are going to be good. Wentz, Wentz has looked pretty good in this couple of games this year. Oh, um, I mean, now that's a slam on Wentz. It's just that... Looking at the overall picture, like you're saying, it might just be better for Goff. Yeah. Right where he is. And I think, you know, credit to Sean McVay, man, that he runs a killer system. He's gotten guys that needed to get involved, involved, especially tonight with Watkins and obviously with Gurley. There's a lot to like here. And I think Cowboys, Seahawks, 
and Jacksonville. Um, those are three games that'll prove whether this offense is legit or not. We have to even put that, you know, we have to put that honestly in a perspective too. This offense is not finished yet. It's not done yet. And it's going to have some down nights. Goff is going to have a bad game here and there. He's going to make dumb mistakes here and there. And I'm hoping that the fan base is willing to deal with that. I'm hoping they're willing to grow with that. Because I think what we're seeing is, is for the most part, we are going to see a player who does right by this franchise. Yeah. That's all you can really ask for. And... One last positive for this week. We'll still be in first place next week. <laughs> and you know, we'll take that as well. <laughs> uh, well, be, before we sign off here, you know, we, we, we've gone through a lot here. Um, are there any other concerns that we did not address that we think that, you know, it needs to go out there? Right? So this is your concern, not mine, about Todd Gurley fumbling. We didn't talk about that. I am concerned about that. I'm concerned um, he, he lost the ball twice. That One of them is not even an official fumble, but really on that play, towards the end of the game, he, he should have held up a ball. He, that, that ball never should have left his hands. And I don't know if it's just because he's trying too hard and, and putting himself in a position to where he's going to fumble more. Um, but that is something to watch. This team does not have a huge margin of error for, for playing winning and losing football. We saw that tonight. And a fumble here, a fumble there is going to cost them. Yeah, it's I'm concerned about that. It's it's a concern for sure, but I I I just can't knock Todd Gurley at all right now, man. Um, if if he fumbles again next week, I will be a little harder on him. But even with the fumbles, the last two weeks he's looked fantastic, and he's a big. I mean, we didn't win last week, but he would have been a big part of the reason we won if we did, and he was a big part of it tonight. You know, fumbling sucks. I hope he cleans it up, but I, I'm, not even. I'm just optimistic. I wouldn't even say cautiously optimistic. Well, I would. I, I. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. It's just I'm seeing all these great things coming from him, and it's that there's that little, tiny little, issue that lingers in the back of my mind. Yeah. That says. We need to keep an eye on that. Hey, man, that's what we're here for. Yep. Point out this stuff. Point it out. All right. Well, Rams fans, what a game. It's probably the best Rams game we've seen in a very long time. Uh, we, were, uh, we were certainly pulling our hair out. Um, I probably have very little left now. So with that, we want to thank you for listening to us today. For Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Paul signing off. Peace out. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness.
Everywhere else, the NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.